First of all, I want to say thank y'all for giving me this opportunity to preach. And I also want to thank y'all for the warm welcome that y'all have given me. Um, the moment I walked in these doors, I felt right at home. So thank y'all so much for the, displaying the love of Christ. And today we'll be in 2 Samuel chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 11. And for those who are unfamiliar with 2 Samuel chapter 11, it's the story of David and Bathsheba. And we'll be reading about what led David to commit such grave sins. So, I want you there. Say amen. Awesome. All right, I'm going to pray and we'll get started. Lord, we are gathered here today because you are good and your mercy endures forever. I just pray that you open up our hearts and minds to your word and to you. And let us not just be hearers, hearers of the word, Lord, but also let us be doers. Be with us as we read your word, and may we faithfully respond to what thus saith the Lord. Neglect. It's a dangerous thing. It can usually have unintended consequences. If you, turn, if you, if you neglect to turn off the stove, there's a danger of fire. If you neglect to do your homework or a project, uh, there's a danger of failing or not doing as well as you want to. When your mom tells you, hey, uh, put out some frozen food so it'll be thawed out in dinner time, and you neglect to do it, you're in most serious of danger. Don't ask me how I know that. Unfortunately, I do. But what's really dangerous about neglect is that it opens up the door to sin and temptation, leading you down a path farther than you want to take and keeping you longer than what you were planning on to stay. This is exactly what happened to David. David neglected his kingly duty and what God has called him to do. Let's take a look at verses 1 through 2. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. Neglect opens the door to temptation. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon, and besieged Rabab. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed, and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold." And when we're reading this passage, when we're reading 2 Samuel chapter 11, it's easy to look at David's big sin. It's easy to look at David's adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah. But oftentimes, we tend to neglect what got him there. And you see, David, you know, he's this warrior king. He is the one that slew Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. The one who slew lions and bears as a shepherd boy to protect his sheep. The one, by God's grace, evaded Saul and his armies and eventually became king. But when it came time for this warrior king to go out and fight in battle, when his men are out in the field sleeping in tents, dying, when it's time for the king to lead his men when they need him the most, David decided to stay home in his palace, neglecting his duty as king. This neglect would open the door to temptation. For one night, David would wake up and see a young woman bathing. And instead of turning away and shutting the curtains, David neglected the temptation stirring in his heart. 
And instead of fleeing, like it says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 22, uh, flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness. And instead of pursuing righteousness, what did he pursue? He pursued that sin. And this leads us to our next point. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 3 through 5. Neglect leads to sin. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him. And he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. David, neglecting his kingly duty, opened up the door to temptation. And David, neglecting the temptation stirring his heart, uh, led to sin. This sin, like all sin, would have its consequences. And David, he could have shut the curtains. He could have turned away. But no, he pursued it. And then he found out that this woman was married. And he could have been like, all right, I took it too far. Lord, forgive me for my thoughts. Forgive me, I took it this too far. But not only is this woman married, but she's married to Uriah. And for those who do not know who Uriah is, Uriah is one of David's best men. He was named as one of the mighty men of David. Like this guy, imagine the biggest, toughest soldier you can imagine. Like this guy was probably the equivalent of a Navy SEAL. Like this is probably David's toughest man, most loyal man, faithful man, and probably one of his best soldiers. But yet, even that, David didn't stop. He's like, I, he could have gone, I've taken this too far. Lord, forgive me for my sins and the thoughts I have toward this woman. Forgive me for neglecting my king, duties as king. And instead of taking responsibility for his actions, instead of taking responsibility and confessing to God, confessing to Uriah, what does he do? He tries to hide it. Second Samuel chapter 11, verses 16, 6 through 17. Neglect to confront sin leads to hidden sin. Then David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed him. But... Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord. It did not go down to his house. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go uh, down to your house? Then, and Uriah said to David, The ark in Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will do, I will not do this thing. See, David asked Uriah a report of the battlefield. Not because he was concerned about the men's safety or concerned how the war was going. No, David was looking for an opportunity to hide his sin. And, and Uriah reports the battle and David goes, Uriah? You're one of my best men. You fought really hard. You've been dwelling in tents all this time. You know, you've been facing the elements and the weather, you know, and you come from a long journey. Why not go home, relax, you know, spend time with your wife. And you know what? Here, I made this tasty meal for you. 
you know, why don't you just go home for a couple days? But Uriah did not do that. And he, but he chose to stay with the servants. And when David confronted him, asking why Uriah responded, it says in verse 11, The ark in Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will, do, I will not do this thing. It's interesting contrast. For here you have Uriah the Hittite, and here you have David, who's called a man after God's own heart. That Uriah understood his duty and his loyalty to God, and his loyalty to his soldiers, and his loyalty to his nation, and he chose not to neglect that. Because pretty much Uriah was saying, David, how can I go home when the ark of the Lord and my fellow soldiers are in the trenches? dwelling in tents when there's a battle to be won. Yet here's David neglecting his duty, neglecting his sin, staying in the palace when he should be with his men and where the ark was. But unfortunately, where God was, David was not. While God and David's men were dwelling in the trenches, here's David plotting to hide his sin. Here's David neglecting his duty before God. When we choose to not go where God tells us to go, when we choose to neglect what God has commanded us to do, all you're going to find is sin and temptation. Verse 12, Then David said to Uriah, Wait here today also, and tomorrow I'll let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now when David called him, he ate and drank before him, and he made him drunk. And at evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. So it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab, and some of the people of the servants of David fell, and Uriah the Hittite also died. David tried to hide his sin through deception. It did not work. David tried to get Uriah drunk. It did not work. Eventually, David grows tired. It thought it was better to kill a man than to confront his sin. He thought his reputation was more important than going before God, going before Uriah, and be like, I'm sorry, I've sinned against you. I'm sorry I neglected my duty. Uriah, I should have been with you on the front lines. I should have been with you fighting with the soldiers and fighting for God. But no, not only did David order for Uriah to be killed in battle and orchestrated the entire thing. He handed Uriah's death note, his death letter, in his hand. So here's Uriah. He takes the letter, being a loyal soldier of David, a faithful man, not knowing what he was containing was his death. Second Samuel uh, chapter 11, verses 18 through 27. Neglect of sin will affect others. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war and charged the messenger, saying, When you have finished, 
telling the matters of the war to the king. If it happens that the king wrath rises and he says to you, Why did you approach so near to the city when you fought? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who struck Abimelech, the son of Jerusalem? Was it not a woman who cast a piece of millstone on him from the wall so that he died at the bez? Why did you go near the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab had sent him by, by him. And the messenger said to David, Surely the men prevailed against us and came out to us in the field. Then we drove them back as far as the entrance of the gate. The archers shot from the wall at your servants, and some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said to the messenger, Thus you shall say to Joab, Do not let this thing please you, for the sword devours one as well as another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it. So encourage him. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house. And she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. When the report was given, and he's like, hey, David, we attacked, we did as you say, but, um, you know, but we lost a lot of men, and Uriah the Hittite's dead also. What was David's response? It's okay. It is what it is. You know, people die in war all the time. It's, it's unavoidable. There was no remorse. There was no concern for the men that lost their lives. Bathsheba is left without a husband mourning. And then David comes to marry her. What started off as a neglect of duty spiraled down to murder. Thus it is with sin. For sin is a weed that grows in the garden of negligence, only to grow into a monster devouring all that stand in its way. Of course, David does not get away with this. For in verse 27 it says, But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And by God's grace, even though David, during this time of his life, he ran from God, he chose sin, God was pursuing. He's like, David, I'm not going to let you get away from this. In chapter 12, it'll be where his sin is declared to him, where God would send Nathan the prophet and be like, you are the man, David. You're the one that killed Uriah. You're the one that committed adultery with Bathsheba. You're responsible. And what was David's response? I have sinned against the Lord. And David will be facing the ramification of his sin for the rest of the book. In chapter uh, 13, you know, his, uh, the boy that was going to be uh, born from Bathsheba dies. He has to deal with rebellious sons and has to flee from this kingdom. But the good news is, the difference between Saul and David was, uh, King Saul and David, was that David responded with repentance. In Psalm 51, we read of David's heartfelt repentance. We see the text shows us that David's sin was a result of his neglect. David slept with Bathsheba and had her husband Uriah killed in battle to hide his 
It's easy to read this chapter and be like, well, that was foolish of David. Well, I wouldn't do that. But brothers and sisters, are we not susceptible to the same thing? Are we not susceptible to neglect what God has called us to do, even in the small things, even in not just the small things, but the big things and the things in the middle? What I'd like to propose is this. Christians that neglect what God has called them to do will open the door for temptation and sin. We see where God was, David was not. But let us not find ourselves in the same situation. Let us not find us in the same situation that David was in. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It is easier for a lion to devour a lamb when he wanders off from the good shepherd and away from the herd. Spurgeon once said, Some temptations come to the industrious, but all temptations attack the idle. It's easy to get on our knees in prayer when hard times are upon us, but it's difficult to maintain that same type of zeal when things are easy, when things are going good, and when we, we become fat and lazy and start being complacent in times of flourishing. So it was with David. David, you know, he was a shepherd boy, you know, and he gets anointed to be king and he slays a giant. But Saul gets jealous of David because he knows God's favor was on David and no longer on Saul. And so Saul was pursuing David, trying to kill him. But eventually, David... Um, will evade Saul and his forces, and Saul and his sons will die. And then David comes in the scene and takes the throne. And that's where we are in Second Samuel. But, after all that time of running, it's easy to get complacent. It's easy to let your guard down. So, what are we supposed to do? How are we to respond? Well, this is how we should respond. As Christians, we are to respond with examining ourselves. Lamentations 3.40, let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord, asking God to reveal any sin in our lives and to show us what areas have we neglected. Have you neglected your prayer time? Have you neglected your time reading in your word? Have you neglected forgiving a person? Have you neglected uh, asking forgiveness? Have you neglected uh, sharing the gospel with someone? Have you neglected the call? May God have called you to serve this church in some form and capacity. Have you neglected that call? Have you neg- what call have you neglected? What have you been neglecting? Two, we are to repent and confess our sins and cling to God's grace and thank him for his salvation. That as Christians, we can come boldly before the throne of grace in our time. In need. Today is the day to come forward before God. Why allow your sin to remain in the shadows when ultimately it has been revealed before God? Why dress your sin in fig leaves and try to hide it when it's still there? Adam and Eve couldn't do it, neither can you. Ask for forgiveness for those that you have wronged. 
and forgive those that wrong you, like how Christ has forgiven you. Let's go be like David and go forth showing fruits of repentance. How easy would have this been if David just simply went before God? It's like, Lord, forgive me. And if it got to the point where it did, be like, Uriah, forgive me. I have sinned against you, and I have sinned against God. Five, let us seek accountability when temptation comes our way or sin lingers. Let us take responsibility for our actions. Finally, maybe there's some of you that have never made a profession of faith. Maybe there's some of you who never accepted Christ as your Savior. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus came and took on your punishment, my punishment, and died on the cross and rose three days later so that we may be free from sin and reconciled before a most holy God. Being a better David, being a better Adam, being a better Moses. Do not neglect the call of salvation. And maybe if there's some of you, maybe you're struggling in sin. Go before God and seek his grace and mercy. But if you're struggling in sin and you do not feel remorse, if you do not feel some sort of guilt or you're not striving for uh, repentance and striving for sanctification and striving to God, I worry for you and I worry about your salvation. David neglected his call of duty. He neglected his kingly call. But I'm asking you, if you're not saved today, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, do not neglect the call of salvation. It's one of the most important calls you will ever receive from God. I'm going to pray. Um, I, I assume the invitation is going to be given, correct? Yeah? Okay, cool. I'm on program. This altar is open. Um, you respond however God has filled you. If you don't feel comfortable going before the altar, I'm sure that deacons would be happy to speak with you. I would be happy to speak with you. And I'm more than willing to take my time and however long it takes to be here for you. Let us pray. God, how great is your mercy that even when we're faithless, Lord, you are faithful. God, forgive us where we fall short. Forgive us of areas in our lives where we neglect. But Lord, we give you praise that you did not neglect us on that cross. Lord, I just pray that let's go boldly before the throne of grace. Let's go boldly with the gospel this week. Let us share the good news with someone. Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone here that's lost, Lord, may they come forward in saving faith. If there's anyone here struggling with sin, may they come forward, Lord, and receive your grace. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that they, they have someone they need to forgive, Lord, put it on their heart to forgive them and reach out and say, hey, I forgive you. Lord, if they, there's someone here that needs to seek reconciliation with someone, Lord, let them reach out and re, first seek reconciliation with you and then with that person. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. You are a most holy and wonderful God. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.